0: Should we just hit it, hit it, and quit it?
1: Hit it and quit it. <laughs> hit it
0: and quit it. <laughs> I
1: hate us a lot. Like, I, I hate us
0: so much. Um, cool. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Escaping Reality podcast where we dive deep deep into reality tv in order to escape the hellhole that is life in 2020 (laughs) we are talking about survivor we are talking about season three specifically we're four friends with something to say it's 2020 so that's a podcast as always (laughs) i am anna here to entertain you with my voice i have with me miss aggie
2: hey what up
0: Miss Nick. Oh
2: my god, I'm a miss. (laughs) I'm a real
0: girl. (laughs) And we'll keep it going with Miss (laughs) Stacy. Hi guys. Hello. Stacy is so sweet. Always the lady, always the best of us.
2: God, Stacy, we don't deserve you. (laughs)
0: Never ever will we. So as I mentioned, we are here talking about season three of Survivor. Survivor, Colon, Africa the whole continent of africa i might add for africa <laughs> exactly that just all of it the whole thing specifically we're in kenya but viewers don't need to know that we'll just we'll call it africa and call it a day not problematic are. at all not problematic <laughs> at all and i guess we'll just jump right in into the continent of africa and talk about the environment we're in so we're here in africa in kenya and it's it's different than we've seen before on survivor We just came from the Australian Outback. Before then, we were on the beach in Borneo, and now we're in Africa and it's very different. It is harsher. It is more visibly boring. I know one of the criticisms the season received was that it just visually was less appealing, much harsher for the contestants. They didn't have, you know, free reign to wander around and explore and to hunt. So it's different. It's a different environment. Our water supply is, you know, questionable. So I'll open it up from there. Thoughts? survivor colon africa
1: i think something that struck me just immediately was like the lack of water i think they went from their specific plot of land that was surrounded by a fence made of what looked like just branches, but it was like, you live here, this is where you can be. Here is a very specific map to your water source. You must use these pots because we were getting a little bit of this cultural thing where we try to act like the culture we're a part of, which we, I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit, but they get to their water source, this very specific map where they won't dive via lions. Like, they are walking directly there and walking directly home. And um, they couldn't even get the water in the pots because it was basically mud. And then it's, like, cut to Jessie's lips, like, cracked. And like can barely do anything. And I can't remember her name. The woman who gets voted out first fainting. And just, like, literally this idea of dehydration being so aggressive and such a huge part of the this so much so that it becomes a reward at one point. Like here, have some water. You guys are literally dying. I think that was just like the part of Africa that like immediately hit me. It also, there seems to be no rain as Toto would disagree with, but no
2: rain to bless Toto, you lied to us. (laughs) Um, I will say, because like we're talking about like how the environment affected the survivors, we should like let you all know who these contestants were. We had two tribes this season and we had Baran and Samburu samburu there we go um the original baron members were diane jesse clarence kelly tom lex kim and daddy of all daddy ethan and then we had samburu who was Teresa, kim powers frank brandon Lindsay, silas linda and carl and i think You can see right away, like, the way the environment affected all these people in different ways. That was just, like, harsh.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, because I know that in this season they had to, like, trek to their campsite did they do that in australia or was this the first time that they were straight up like dropped off in a location and then had to go to a secondary location
1: no i think they did they had to carry boxes
2: in australia right in australia it was but i think in australia it was a little bit different because i don't think it was like the heat of the day and Mm -hmm. if i'm remembering correctly africa was straight up like the middle of the day The middle of the day, and also Africa, there's nothing around you. There's no shade. There's nothing. It's just barren land. And I feel like they got back to camp and they all were just getting sick. Like, all just having breakdowns and, you know. I mean, relatable. Same.
0: I would. This is also the first season that we've seen them, and I think as a direct result of the environment that they were in and the fact that they couldn't, you know, go out and hunt and gather their own food, that they were given extensive, or at least extensive, you know, for Survivor, rations of food. Yeah. So I imagine that right off the bat is kind of a weird dynamic to be like, all right, what do we do? Like, how how do we divvy it up? And how do we decide when to eat? Because it's not like we can just pop out and, you know... Go catch a lion, <laughs> like it's not an option. Yeah, the lions even being that close is what terrified me. Like I know they have no, but they were really close to <laughs> wildlife. At one point, they are trekking to get water, and they come across some spooky mm-hmm. animal. Who I don't know if we're told what kind of animal it is or not, but it's some kind of like wildebeest thing that could definitely eat you yep. and certainly ram you down.
1: I am Frank who stopped and admired the elephant. Like that would have been me on Survivor Africa. I 100% would have sat there for the whole time. Y'all know I was supposed to go to South Africa during spring break and then COVID happened and it got canceled. But I had a safari booked and that was all I was gonna do was sit and watch the elephants. I think they're the most majestic, incredible animals. And I am Frank in this situation where he was just like, I'm going to be one with them. And like, and I was like, I
0: think that's part of what makes survivor Africa so (laughs) unique. And so interesting is that like they're in it with the wildlife and it's such an experience that like you could never have on your own terms.
2: Really? And it's such different wildlife than we've seen, like, or that we will see. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think we ever have a survivor experience quite like this, where the wildlife, not just the environment, the actual animals were a big part of, like, how these people were surviving. Because I remember even watching the reunion, the guy who is still not Jeff Probst hosting, and he's like, guys, come on. There was no lion that close to camp. And they all were like, no, it was right outside the wall. Like it was right there, and like to me, that's just straight up like terrifying. We talked last episode, Stacy. You were like, "Oh, snakes! Ah, could you imagine a fucking lion at the camp?" Like,
1: mm. wow, the shade you just gave Stacy for being afraid of snakes is like out of
2: control. If you crawled across
1: your legs at camp, you wouldn't be chill.
2: No, I mean I was afraid of spiders, so like I get that too. But could you imagine a fucking lions. I
1: mean, I think the most ridiculous thing about the Lions is Jeff when he get like when he, you drop them off, he's like two people have to keep watch because lions. So like part of the problem of your like daily consideration of jobs at camp was like who's staying up all night at the gate
0: because lions
1: for lions. I was like I'm sorry, what? I remember watching the first episode of this season like vividly. I had two thoughts one wow this is going to be wild the fact that you have to watch for the lions and literally keep watch as if you are going to magically do something about the lions and like keep the fire burning because that keeps them away terrifying and my second thought was damn Ethan is hot those were literally my two thoughts like that was all I could think about the first episode was oh my god Ethan Zone. I don't think I knew you were that attractive as a youth that's distracting and then secondarily like Who is in charge of watching this? On a production note, they did have military people like stationed around to ensure that like the survivors didn't die, but they did make it a part of their daily life. Like you have to keep the fire going because otherwise the lions are going to get closer.
0: I feel like that's such a general trend of Survivor of, like, there's always, you know, imminent danger around. But, like, to a certain extent, production's, like, they're going to keep you safe. They're not going to let you, like, go out and swim with, like, deadly animals or whatever. But only to an extent. Like, that shit's still out there and, like, don't fuck with it. Still the wilderness.
3: You can still hear that.
0: Still the wilderness.
3: (laughs) Anna, I think you have a good point that I didn't really think about of like it even being called Survivor Africa instead of a specific country. Because I will say, like them having lions and elephants just like out in the open, that is what most Americans think all of Africa is. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the biggest continent and it has many, many countries. And my parents are from Ghana, which is in West Africa, because probably people don't know. But anytime my friends, anyone would ask me, or I would tell them I'm from Ghana. They're like, oh, like, are there just like huts around and lions and tigers? And I'm like, no, there are buildings, there are shopping malls there. I mean, it's not, you know, New York City, but there's not just like a lion in our backyard. (laughs) I just feel like, honestly, them just being like, this is Survivor Africa and here are the lions. It's kind of going right into that stereotype. So I mean, if they had called it, yeah, Survivor Kenya, right? It was in Kenya.
0: Even though, we do mention it. Like, they say specifically at points in the season, like, where they are. Yeah, but but... do not
3: label it as that. It's, you know, it's it seems a little lazy on their part, or intentional, one or the other.
1: They're (laughs) definitely leaning into something. And (laughs) as as we know, production is not necessarily unproblematic at this point in Survivor Mm -hmm. history. So I wouldn't be surprised if they leaned into that a little bit. I also think in our white privilege sort of discussion here, Americans also think of Africa the way Book of Mormon portrays Africa at times of like military people running around just like rampant. And like, what is the first thing that happens to the castaways? They're brought on this like bus with these African men with giant guns and they're pointed at them and they're telling them to like get off the bus. Like you go here, you do this, blah, blah. Like that is also a stereotype of Africa. And that's really problematic.
0: Yeah. It
2: was bad. It was...
0: Have we had another season, like, just off the top of our heads, that has been in Africa?
1: I think there is another season in Africa. I feel like just because I was on the Survivor Wiki and someone, Mm -hmm. like, somewhere it mentions that they do go to Africa another time. But hold on. Mm -hmm. Continue, Anna, and I will let you know in just a
0: second. I was just wondering if, like... They, they already named one season Survivor Africa, so now they can never have another Survivor <laughs> Africa. <laughs> like, that's that You get one. They're too get, bad.
2: I will say, like, we have talked about, like, all the negative and bad things that they have done with, like, the stereotypes of, of Africa and the stereotypes of, like, the culture and all that thing. But on the other side, like, I will say there were some things that they did very well about the culture. Or... Just, like, an interesting way that they incorporated it into the game. Aggie, did you find out information? found
1: out. Sorry. (laughs) Um, The 17th season is in Gabon. Gabon? Gabon? I'm so sorry. I'm going to ruin that. Was it Gabon, Stacey?
3: That's what they call it, like, when they get to that
1: survivor. Like, a country slash area in Africa. So that is a season that takes place in Africa. Okay.
2: Well, we do have that to look forward to, but – Like I was saying, like, they did do some things for, like, within the culture that, for me, I think made this season very special. One of the things that stuck out most to me was the reward that Lex and Ethan got to go on, where they brought goats and traded within the community, and the entire reward was just them hanging out with the locals and like eating food and it just like seemed so nice and so wholesome and i believe there is another award where they brought hiv supplies to a local hospital which i mean like i'm not saying it makes up for all of the bad things that they did and all the stereotypes that they did portray but i do think that is an important thing that we should have in the mix too that it wasn't all terrible white people even if the majority was terrible white people.
3: Yeah. well it wasn't all terrible white people but on the flip side it was like white people saving the black people I it mean,
2: was white savior
3: <laughs> i mean i think they kind of do that in every season like when they're in any new community they try to kind of do their own little white thing so okay i'm done never,
1: um, be, done. never be done with that conversation Anyway, continue, Anna.
0: For me, the the best part of the reward where they got to like barter with goats in the village was it seems to be sort of a direct response to in season two when we see Colby steal from the Great Barrier Reef. And you start to think about like, yes, the game of Survivor, but also like the experience for these people that, you know, are choosing to participate. And that like for them, it is this kind of once in a lifetime opportunity to explore different cultures. And like, they do want to have memories and pieces of that so to say like okay you win this reward you get to go have a this experience but also the chance to like purchase something as a souvenir so you don't have to steal from the environment yeah (laughs) right it is a nice moment to be like okay you guys can go like bring back stuff to everybody at camp that then like you can have as a memory so you don't steal from the land don't do it don't
1: immediately take from this beautiful country where you are. And I think Australia kind of did that because, I mean, we did not talk about this in the Australia episode. Colby also wins a reward where he basically goes into this, like, backwater bogan place and rides Mm -hmm. the horse with them into, like, full-on, like, outback Aussies, like, cracking a beer, cooking eggs on the Barbie. Like, they're just living their full Aussie bogan life. But I think it's also it's this idea, right, that you're in a country, and I, I almost feel like Survivor becomes a tourist thing. Like, the country says yes. They're, it's free advertisement for their country, right? Like, it's free advertisement that, like, this place is a beautiful place worth going. I mean, we, we're not at season 10 on the podcast yet, but if you don't want to go to Palau after watching Survivor Palau, you're lying to me. Like, I don't know what show you watched. And I think there's a lot to that here, Again, it's problematic that we're calling it Africa and not Kenya. But I wanted to go to Kenya after watching this season. I was like, there's so many beautiful aspects here. The land is stunning. The animals are incredible. Honestly, the people seem lovely and welcoming. And it made me want to go to Kenya. I was like, I'm in. If South Africa doesn't work out, I'm (laughs) in. Let's plan for Kenya instead. Like, it's starting to shift of like, once we get to that point of the season where it's no longer about full surviving. We actually can see them participate in the culture and participate in the place where they are. It's kind of their way of giving back if they can't perfectly give back to the culture, or to the place. They can give back through tourism, which is, I think, a big draw for a lot of the places that say yes to this. And that's why they've been in Fiji for so long, like 10, 12 seasons up till currently. It's like Fiji's like, this is so much good revenue and tourism for us. Like you can stay as long as you want. So that's just my thoughts
0: that was so beautiful
3: <laughs>
0: stop it <laughs> no but i think especially like um in the grand scheme of like we're seeing the uphill climb of reality tv and people being like this is trash it's nice to see these earlier seasons of survivor be like trash but attempt to you know bring some culture into the american public's life <laughs> Because God knows we need it. Uh,
1: I'll say about this too, is this idea of an ugly American, which I don't think we do a perfect job of avoiding on Survivor, but something that Americans are known for abroad is going somewhere and just being like, why is this not like America? It's one of my biggest pet peeves in general. But like, this is our way of kind of being like, okay, now that I'm in this place, what should I do that's like a cultural thing or like something that this country is proud of and wants to share? How can we then participate in something that they would want to show and would be part of their culture in that way?
2: Right. Um, On like a different note, I think what was interesting though about Africa, and I will be the first to say Africa isn't one of my top favorite seasons. It's, I don't...
1: For those who cannot see... Every I know, like, it's a hot take. Conversation. here's
2: my thing with Africa, and I will move die on, on this hill. That. You're gonna
1: die on the hill, Nick, because I'm not going to agree to. with you. I mean, how can you be mad at Daddy Ethan? I just, I'll never be okay <laughs> with people not, not being like 100 percent on board with this season because I'm not
2: 100 on board with Africa.
1: I'm 100% on board with Ethan.
2: My thing with Africa is after 3 after two previous seasons, Africa seems predictable. To me there wasn't a lot of interesting gameplay that happened. It kind of just became repetitive. But I will say there was interesting gameplay and interesting sw- twists. Like the first big twist that we have seen in Survivor, was this idea of a tribe switch where each tribe had to send two people to go meet with Jeff in this undisclosed location. And they had three, three people from each tribe. And they had no idea why they were going, what they were going for. They were just told, send three people to go meet with Jeff. So there was no idea. And when they get there, they switched buffs and went to the opposite tribe. And that was like the first time we saw that. And I loved that. I thought that was very interesting. And I think it would have been more interesting if it played out different. But what just happened was those three people just became like the next three people to get voted off. I don't know. I I know that's a hot take. Do other people have things to come at me for about that?
1: I kind of have a, not a hot take, but like a little bit of a pushback. I think what you're alluding to, Nick, this idea that because of a specific swap, those like, people who were the swap were the first ones out, was true of a seat of the tribe that their alliance got shaken up. Uh, I'll like be more specific. So Silas, Frank, and Teresa were the ones who went from Samburu to Baran. and then Kelly, Tom and Lex were the ones that went from Baran to Samburu. So Silas was the first one out, but then Frank and Teresa were able to make it past Clarence and then Silas went and Lindsay went in the next round and then they merged. So like Silas was a casualty, but Teresa and Frank were able to like embed themselves a little bit further and Lex and Tom, the switch didn't really mess them up that much. Like, they just kind of went back to their original tribe when they got back to the merge. But Silas was definitely, definitely a casualty. And Lindsay was a casualty, not because she swapped, but because people figured out she had votes against her on the swap and then told their old team, like, vote for her. Like, if you're going to split the votes, split them on her because she already has a vote against her. So she was a casualty of the swap for a completely different reason. But, like...
2: Can we they discuss that a little bit more? Because I feel like that Lindsay and the idea of tiebreakers was so interesting. Uh, Stacy, I know you know a lot about, like, the tiebreakers and stuff. Do you want to go into that a little bit more for us?
3: Um. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting to me just how, from the beginning, how tiebreakers have been handled and how now, like, this season they know, or they're assuming, at least, that if you had votes before, that could be, you know, That could be held against you, basically, which I, in general, think it's such a weird concept. Like, I don't, it's so interesting to me that, like, getting a vote against you could, like, cause you to go home the next week or weeks later. So, yeah, I mean, I think it is very interesting that they were even trying to, like, keep it a secret of, like, oh, guess, like, you don't know who's gotten votes here or things like that. So it definitely just adds to the
0: strategy overall. I think it's indicative of this like trend that we will see as seasons continue to go on. And with every subsequent season, you have people coming on who expect certain things to happen, and thus they play their game that way. And as soon as they start to think that they know what's going on, production's like, just kidding, we're switching it up. And you can see the same thing start to happen with like, once they figure out how to game the tiebreakers with the past votes, that then gets you know swept off the table too because they started to anticipate it too much
2: yeah and i think it's the season after marquesas when they're straight up like nope we're gonna change the tiebreakers now because you guys figured out how to use it yeah so we see that in the next season i think what also came into play like what happened was, and you guys probably remember too, is there's this generational gap. Samburu had this weird generational gap where all the young players pitted against all the older players, and the older players were just getting plucked off one by one by one. And the young players were just straight up like, hey, this girl's going out next. Can you not vote for anybody different besides Lindsay so none of us have votes against us? So, in case there's a tie. And the old people were straight up like, lol, no. Why would we do that? You're voting us out, and you don't even want to like try and make an alliance with us. You don't even want to try and hear us out. You're just straight up like, nah, now nah, we're getting rid of him.
1: I also think this is why there was a tribe swap and why production felt the need to do a tribe swap is because for two seasons, we'd seen like if you could come up with a strong alliance in your original team when you get to the merge and there's been no like conflict, you can hold that alliance till the end and one of them's gonna come out on top and the swap was the way to like disrupt that and I think the reason they chose to do it in this season is Lindsay was so vocal as like those those younger kids didn't do anything at camp they were like well we have the numbers so why would we do anything
0: why would we work
1: like why would we work like you guys are trying to prove to us that you shouldn't be next so like, why would I work? I, that infuriated me this season. I was like, that just goes against what being a tribe is. But because people had seen two seasons of Survivor, they were like, well, that works. It works. Like to have the numbers works. And in this season, they were like, let's break up the numbers. We have to. And I think that was a moment in Survivor history that changes trajectory of the game, right? Like, and causes people to falter in alliances because they're like, oh shit and so this idea that like well shit my alliance is gone and i now have to like be amenable enough with these people that they don't vote me off next um i think was a big reason why this tribe swap was so important in season three given that like it could have really just been a disaster
0: i don't know how to segue from there i'm a terrible host (laughs)
1: Anna! Um,
2: we can Start talking now, like about the specific players that we saw, like we've talked about, you know, Lex and Tom, and we've talked about daddy Ethan, and uh, you know, these players that we had.
1: I love Teresa. I think she should play again. And I Mm -hmm. think she played interesting survivor. She was the person who voted against Lex and Lex was like on a rampage. And she was just like, I'm just gonna let him think it was someone else. And she was on the bottom a lot, and she made it to top, top five.
2: I love Teresa. I wish she would have, like, gone further.
1: I hope she plays again. I feel like she doesn't, but I loved her.
2: You know who, like, we didn't, like, say that we were going to discuss that up, but I just feel like we have to. Linda? Because... No. Because oh. the, <laughs> oh of all things, the gays came this season in full force <laughs> in Brandon and uh i'm sorry there's if your season of survivor doesn't have a gay person on it it is terrible as evident in thailand it's <laughs> terrible you need a gay because they bring the drama and brandon brought that drama for me he gave you all the tea all the shade that you needed while still being a good player i think he was a very strong player But he just suffered from being in a shitty alliance with shitty people. I have a controversial question. Oh no.
0: God, yes. Do you find though that like when there is a gay castaway and they do fill that role of like spilling the drama, spilling the tea, having the like shady sound bites, is that not like kind of a bad stereotype? So
2: I okay How do we
0: feel how do we feel about that? Let's unpack this. Well, like
1: getting
2: I can't speak
1: real. as a white cisgender women, woman, so Nick, tell us, speak to gays.
2: Getting into the real real, because there are a lot of gay people who don't want to be perceived as a shady person or as, like, you know, like, the shit starter or the drama person, or, like, a lot of gays don't want to be perceived as, like, the GBF. I personally enjoy that aspect of being gay. Like, I think it's, like, a fun thing, and I think it's, like, an interesting stereotype that, like, I have and that, like, I... Don't mind. Because I'm, I'm talking about strictly personal experience. There's, like, there's certain stereotypes about gay people that I don't mind and I'm not against. There are gay people who are against them and they fully have the right to believe that. So that's my hot take on that. So like I like when a gay guy is perceived that way. And I think I like it more in Survivor because Survivor is such a hetero show. In so many ways, especially in the earlier seasons, it is so much just like, I'm a manly man. I chop wood and make fire. Oh, and (laughs) so I think it's just really interesting when you have like these twinky gay guys or Richard Hatch of the first season, this big bear of a gay gay guy, walk in and like start this drama, and the straight people have no idea how to deal with it. To me, that's great TV to watch. And whenever I look at and like I mentioned this in the last episode with Jerry, whenever I watch a season of reality TV, I look for those overproduced, overedited, archetypes, oh my gosh, English.
0: Archaeologists is the word you're looking for.
2: (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) archaeologists of each season. No, but like I look for those overproduced narratives of people because I find it interesting and that's why I love reality TV. So like to me, it doesn't bother me when a gay person is perceived in um, that way. And that might change the more seasons of Survivor we watched and the more discussion goes into them being gay. Cause I'm not going to straight out just say Survivor is perfect and always portrays gay people in the perfect way. Cause I'm, no, that's not going to be true down the line. I don't have that. I don't have enough faith to say that it'll be like that, but.
1: Oh, sorry. Continue Nick.
2: No, I just, that's, that's the end of my spiel. I just, I like it. And, but other people might not. And so I think it's dependent on the person.
1: Again, not a gay person. Um, But I'm just thinking about it in terms of what is offered to them. Because I, I will say one thing for Survivor in terms of representation of gay people. There's a lot of gay people on Survivor. For it being early 2000s television, and they're like out in the beginning. I do think there are some situations that they don't handle very well later on which I'm sure we'll come to, but it's not a deterrent for them, like, in terms of casting them, whereas, like, in this, where, it's what, 2001, this is post 9-11, like, we're very much in the throes of, like, let's get our country back, very similar to 2016, get it back from the leftist crazy people who believe in Medicare for everyone, and, like, a livable country we're the worst but like this idea that like we're back to home family values and for all the mistakes that survivor makes i think one that we can hold them up for regardless of whether or not their portrayal of them is a stereotype which is potentially a different conversation they cast a lot of gay people in a time when that was not looked upon as something that should be commonplace or even done. There's still, like, on Friends, you have, like, Joey and people being afraid to kiss a guy or, like, even be remotely feminine. Like, this was not a common thing for gay people to be represented, for them to have even a person to see of themselves. And so I think in that regards, it's, it's interesting that they continued to cast gay people. I agree, Nick. I think Brandon is a little bit of a stereotype at times. But also, in... in a smart way he was like but that's my angle i my read on it is he was like they're not going to air me if i don't have interesting tea to offer them
2: i think also like just the fact he was there the fact that he an out an out and proud gay man was there and he even said too when he was on the show or at the reunion he was like i wanted to come in and not be the richard hatch i wanted to come in and be the flamboyant femme gay guy I am and I'm gonna show that like you can be strong and be femme and be flamboyant and get far in this game and he made it to the jury which is a hard thing to do is to make it to the jury and he made it there and also like I struggle to say that he's a stereotype because like yes he's probably edited that way but I mean like he really is like that like there are gay guys who are really like that like me myself and i i really am flamboyant and femme you know (laughs) i think
0: part of it too though is like the crafting of a tribe where like who do you want to put with you know the franks and the toms you want to find somebody who is more on the flamboyant side to
2: see how those heads see to get the best tv and they got it because both Tom and Frank were definitely homophobic and were not afraid to show it. And I think Frank was a good example of that because he straight up was just like, Brandon's annoying and does, like, doesn't stop gossiping and talking. And I'm like, Frank, maybe you should talk more because everybody thinks you're a freak who stares at elephants.
1: <laughs> and he becomes them. I liked their cute
0: date, though.
2: They did have a date, which was hysterical because they won the reward together. Uh we love... I feel like we spent a lot of time. Spent a lot of time, talking, about Brandon. <laughs> a lot of time talking about Brandon, but like you know, well, we'll
0: turned into
1: a conversation about gay representation. So yeah. it's not necessarily bad. Power
2: for the gays.
1: I think we could discuss this group of three men, Tom, Lex, and Ethan, and mm-hmm. how their gameplay evolved, because they kind of at the beginning. I feel like correct me if I'm wrong. At the beginning, they're like, "We're gonna stick together," and um the
0: three white guys. <laughs>
1: i mean lex had a lot of tattoos and maybe ethan and still white, are so still white. <laughs> <laughs> but so so white it's um so white. i think if we're looking at like these three guys they do stick together um but we do see and i think it's really interesting lex is a good sort of focal point here because like the editing of Daddy Ethan is just Daddy Ethan the whole time. Find me him yeah. can do
0: of, no wrong.
1: <laughs> find me a picture of Ethan looking bad after thirty six days of no shower it doesn't, exist. it doesn't exist' The man looked good the whole time. I was like I, blushing at my t v watching i I right. couldn't look at him directly. I was like it's I think he can see me I've been uh, thinking about it now like.
0: I feel like he I'm getting was questioned. the hottest
1: survivor in the history of Survivor. I literally cannot it's, even zone oh. if you're listening. I it's, know you're married. I'm trying not to be a total creep, but <laughs> young 20-year-old you could get it.
2: He also ages like fine wine. Oh. That's the key. That is the key.
1: <laughs> he just like unproblematic people age well and he's sweating is one of them. i'm sweating i can't think uh, of but i
2: think them. what's interesting is the way he got to top two and i think we need to talk about that because he had this strong alliance of people sorry with people who are not like him aka tom and lex tom being a straight up creep just staring at all the women's tits and asses the entire time and Lex being an extreme hothead, freaking out at every little thing made against him. And then they were in this strong three-person alliance and Kim J this old woman just destroys their alliance. I think I think we need to talk on that cuz that is some tea.
1: Okay, so two sort of things and then I'll shut up for a while. Um one, Lex was really paranoid in his edit. And no, I don't think America loved him, but if you remember the reunion, everyone was like, Kim even said, she's like, I was like stressed because I knew I was going to lose to whoever I picked. She was like, I knew I would lose to Lex. I knew I would lose to Ethan. I was like, you knew you would lose to Lex because our view of Lex was not positive. He was psychotic. He was running around being like, who voted for me? Who did it? And Teresa's like, bitch, it was me, but I ain't saying. Yeah, and he was like, oh my God, who did it? I can tell who's going to turn. And every corner, he was like, I think we should be honest and tell someone they're going home. And he's like, self-righteous, just, I, I didn't love Lex's gameplay. Everyone else can weigh in, but I thought... I don't love when people feel like the only honorable thing to do is to tell them they're going home. I think it makes her boring television. But then Kim J happens to win the last two immunities because they're not, like, physical. One was Fallen Comrades, and one of them was, um, I believe, like, holding something.
0: Wasn't it, like, standing on a tree stump and, like, touching?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and it was, I like, lost culture like Stand a classic Survivor
0: Final Three. <laughs> yeah.
1: And she just happened to outlast Lex and Ethan. And the one before that was Fallen Comrades. And like Daddy Ethan and Crazy Lex only knew about each other.
3: And Tom. Classic like those.
1: You know, they, they didn't need to care about other people because they knew the three of them were going to the Final Four or Final Three and hello, it worked. But like Sweet Baby Kim knew everything about everyone.
0: And so I will point out I feel like now is a good time to point out the controversy of the Fallen Comrades yes. challenge, which is likely why we don't really see it after this season, which was that one of the questions, I think it was like who has no piercings? And there ended up being two correct answers. So everybody puts, you know, one of those answers, whatever. And I think it's Lex. Yeah. it's like, like the quote-unquote wrong
1: person
0: yeah like the the wrong answer which is still a right answer so like technically kj wins it but that technicality that like okay well one of them could have won had we considered that there were two possible answers yeah. <laughs> they still end up winning a hundred thousand dollars because like in the coulda woulda shoulda of it all it's like, okay, well, if one of them won, any number of these people could have been taken to the end. So, like, they come out on top anyway.
2: Do you think if we had a final two of Ethan and Lex, we would have had a different winner? No. No?
1: No, I think Daddy Ethan was always going to win. It might have been closer. It might have been 4-3 instead of 5-2. Because
0: I would have won. do you think if it was Lex versus Tom? I... I I hope Lex. <laughs> I would hope help Lex. I will
2: say, like, Aggie, you did bring up the point of like Kim J being like, Well, Ethan or Lex could have beaten me. They did talk in the reunion. They were like, all of those asides Lex had to the camera, none of us knew about. Yeah. Knew that he was going literally crazy. So us as the viewers saw him being a hot and self-destructive and freaking out at the drop of a hat. But none of the castaways saw that aspect of Lex, which makes it interesting because maybe he had a better shot at winning than we give him credit for.
1: So I wrote down in my notes about Ooh. Daddy Ethan. I actually think Daddy Ethan would have won 7 nothing against Kim, except he gave some weird, not great answers at Final Tribal. I think if they had not had to do Final Tribal and the jury just had to vote, I think Ethan would have won seven nothing. Like he had too many friends in the jury and then everyone else could see he was like better equipped and should be the sole survivor. One of my least favorite things to watch in Final Tribal is when someone clearly wants a certain answer. And it's sometimes like, I get it as like an integrity move. You don't necessarily just give them what they want, but also like Ethan should have won seven nothing against Kim. And it just like, it cracked me up that I think Ethan gave away two votes.
2: And we see this, like, integrity aspect of gameplay, like, come back to bite people in the ass in later seasons because it's just, like, they're just, like, too honest. And Ethan was that to a fault. He was just too honest. He was just like, I made a deal with Lex and Tom, so no, I wasn't going to, like, break and do a different way. No, I, the only other people I would rather see up here with me would be Lex and Tom because that was my alliance. And, like, when you have a bunch of people who wanted a million dollars too – like, you need to lie and make them feel good.
0: It's not RuPaul's best friend race. It's, it's not RuPaul's best
2: friend's race. It's Survivor hunting. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I think
1: that was sort of Ethan's downfall in that moment. Um, but I do think it was interesting that Kim J thought she would lose to Lex. Because in my mind, there was no way in hell she should take Lex. I was like, absolutely not. I feel like we'll probably bring this up in Rapid Fire, but I think, Nick, you were right about Tom. He's just, like, a little bit of a sexual predator. Not in, like, the registered sexual offender way, like Mike (laughs) from season two, but, like...
0: In a way, that does not age well, especially on a 2020...
2: I think this might be a good time to jump into Rapid Fire. (laughs) So I think it's a good time to dive deep. So why don't we start it off with who do you think is the most problematic survivor from this season... There was multiple. <laughs> there was multiple. And I'm going to start it off and bring up somebody that we didn't discuss. And maybe it's not the most problematic, but it is maybe the most annoying and the most unfair player. And I'm going to go with Lindsay.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Right. So I'm going
2: to say it. I'm going to say it was Lindsay. She did nothing around camp and then complained when things weren't done for her. And, and then, then
1: she when people voted she cried
2: all the time and she still did nothing. Maybe not the most problematic, but my definite bottom of the barrel. That was shocking. I know. ooh, She threw in a twist. Did <laughs> <laughs> um, you call on me? Yours, yeah, go.
1: Okay, I personally, mine is Tom. If and ever I share my notes with the public, the number of times I wrote Tom as a sexual predator was just it was It was at least five. I'll give a few examples. One, when Teresa joins their tribe, he says something to the effect of, well, I'd like to take her out on a date. But also, and like, just like this weird commentary. And then he also talks about her body. And I'm like, why are you like this? He also helps Lindsay get a tick off her body. And it's on her ass. And it's like super uncomfortable. And like he offers to help, not because he is the most qualified person, but because he wants to be a part of that. Kim also calls him out on it a little bit at tribal council, and like no right. one really does anything about it. So I just I think he's a little problematic. And then the fact that he plays again later is problematic. <laughs> Survivor
3: Producers. Uh, That's
1: my
2: our problematic train. Stacey, <laughs> who for you was the worst?
3: Also, Tom, I was very with half of his comments and he just he tried to play it off as like oh I'm just a southern boy you know I don't know any better and I wear overalls and I was like no you're a good man so
2: you know don't forget being old southern and white in this world anymore get out Tom (laughs) and then Anna who for you
0: Um, I mean I don't want to beat a dead horse by saying Tom so I'm gonna just I'm not gonna say Tom because what else is there more to say I'm going to go rogue and say for me right off the bat, Diane, for the reason of when the tribe comes for Clarence for opening food Mm. to Mm. give to her when she's not feeling well and she completely throws him under the bus and doesn't defend him at all and we're not really shown by the producers like what the truth of the situation was, which is also problematic, but for Diane to not even speak up on his behalf and let the entire tribe accuse him the only black person in the tribe yeah. of stealing food
2: bad, it rubs bad, you the wrong
0: way especially bad. on a 2020 rewatch <laughs> bad vibes no thank right, you we have, um,
2: we have another cup two more rapid fires so we have the stupidest challenge we don't talk about challenges a lot on this podcast because there's so much other stuff to be talking about we gotta give you a little taste of some of these challenges some of them were straight up dumb frightening dangerous scurry didn't want to be a part of it Um, aggie you have a lot of feelings on the challenges so why don't you start off with your okay
1: i i feel like someone already claimed this when we like planned but i have to i have to talk about the goats (laughs) i have to talk about the goats the goat herding is my single least and most favorite challenge in the history of Survivor up through what I have watched. It is hysterical, like full on LOLing at your television in the most like pure way, but also like what the fuck, what the fuck, they're all like running around, they're grabbing goats and This is an example of where they, like, tried to tie it into culture, but they gave no real reason other than, like, they herd goats in Africa. Like, that was it. Like, go herd the goats. And I was like, what's happening? And, like, it was just mad dash absolute chaos. Like, running around, trying to grab goats. People just fully, like, shocked and awed. And there was a gatekeeper. What a beautiful, beautiful concept and ridiculous execution. I loved it so much
2: for me, it was definitely the giant balls that they had to roll up and down hills and they rolled over people and pushed people into thorn bushes it was like, gave concussions for sure. Oh god, it was just no ma'am. Stacy, what about you?
3: I don't know if it's like the stupidest challenge, but I just hated the drinking of the, was it cow's blood? Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't like most of the eating challenges and
2: stuff, but that was just too much. That was too much. <laughs> and Anna, finishes off. off.
0: Um, not to be repetitive, but I gotta go with the goats as well. Like, <laughs> again, in concept, great. It seems like production didn't plan on the fact that they might just pick up the goats. Because you can kind of see the surprise on Jeff's face when he's like, you're gonna herd goats. And then midway through the challenge, they just start like, scooping them up and yeah. dropping them in the pen and jeff's like ah, ah, i guess i guess that's not against the rules
1: <laughs> i will say honorable mention has to go to move the hut okay.
0: when they oh, had to okay. move the whole they camp pop. into a different circle
1: yes they had to move the whole camp so <laughs> stupid oh my god ah i have to go
2: but also like why did you build a camp from one circle to the other, and then they didn't even get to keep the camp.
1: <laughs> True. Yeah, you can't even have the structure. It's like that was just for the challenge. Back to your like hellhole. Of
2: getting things. Our last like final question, rapid fire, is which reward would you want? We had a couple of good ones with like all the cultural aspects. Um, my personal favorite and the reward that I would want would be the drive-in movie that Brandon and Frank win. I am a sucker for movies. Like I love them so much, and drive-ins are so much fun. And they just got candy, popcorn, hot dogs. They got like pop over there as well, so they were able to like chug on some pop. And it was it just seemed nice and relaxing. Also, they watched Out of Africa in Africa, which <laughs> just seems like fun. <laughs> what a concept! What a concept, Stacy. Did you have a, a reward that you would want? Um,
3: I mean. I thought the hot air balloon thing was cool. I don't really like heights, but I thought it was cool for a... I mean, it's a good view. So that was the one time Tom seemed decent because he was just like amazed with the beauty. So I would go
0: with that.
2: Uh, Anna, what about you?
0: I hate to say it because like the experiences far and away are the best rewards. Like, of course, that's what you would pick, you know, given the real life option. But in the world of Survivor, I would I would want the... Hundred gallons of water delivered to my camp <laughs> retweet girl retweet
2: <laughs> every day uh aggie what about you finish us off
1: minus mine's the same one as stacy's mainly because like it's a full one it was the first like overnight reward we've seen i feel like other than when colby went to stay with the cowboys lol but, You got to go on safari, which again, this is my second time I'm mentioning it. COVID canceled my safari in South Africa. Um, This is such a first world problem. I absolutely suck. But like, that's been on my bucket list for absolutely ever. I think a safari is just one of the coolest ways to see animals in their natural habitat. And I think it's so interesting and beautiful. And so I was very jealous of Tom. Also Tom wanted, so I was angry. I was like, no no i was a little upset (laughs) or lex wins but he brings tom and i'm like bring daddy ethan what's wrong with you (laughs) if given Uh the choice i want to go on a reward with tom and not daddy ethan
0: (laughs) it ain't right Um, so as we as we wrap up and kind of look ahead to next season and just in general like what's next for survivor i do just want to like recontextualize season three (laughs) And talk really quickly just about the fact that this was the first season of Survivor and kind of one of the first reality shows in general to come back and premiere post 9-11, which this season had a lot of mixed um, reception compared to seasons one and two like I think a lot of people didn't really know how they felt about it, whether it was kind of because of that cultural context and the fact that like this huge tragedy had put a sort of disdain for reality TV into the world. And, you know, people thought we should be not paying attention to these things and not focusing on them. Plus people weren't really jazzed about Survivor Cole in Africa in general. They thought that the contestants were like lacking in energy and that it just wasn't as strong as the season's beforehand i think we've all kind of argued our case for you know the reasons that we liked it or didn't like it but just to put it back in that context of like okay here's where we're at in television history post 9-11 like you have this huge tragedy meeting you know this big rise in this wave of reality tv and all of a sudden people thinking oh is this what we really want to be you know investing our time into
2: no i think i agree and i think it's something that we see continue and i think even like now like I don't want to relate COVID-19 to nine eleven it by any means because it was two totally different things. But I think in today's day and age too, there are people who are like, should we really be like on Twitter looking at YouTuber drama or like the TikTok drama of the world when Black Lives Matter is going on? And I always argue the case of like, entertainment is there to give you a break from the daily struggles that we see going on in the world always and you know i think that for some people that's what this season was it was a way for them to escape how like what the hell was just going on with 9-11 and i think and like i'm not trying to give reality tv all that credit because it's just like i'm not gonna sit here and preach reality tv is making us all happy because that's <laughs> not the case for everybody but i do think it makes some people happy and i, think, I mean i
0: think it's the whole impetus behind like our podcast is called escaping reality like the whole point is to throw yourself into these conversations and
2: and to just like
0: tv because there's so much shit going
2: on. yeah so just like (laughs) sit back enjoy something and like have a brain break because yes you need to stay informed you need to watch the news you need to be certain about what's going on in the world but you also need like a good hour to two hours a day where you can just sit and watch stupid shit and forget about it.
1: I mean, but Nick, the numbers also don't disagree with you. (laughs) Um, Because even though it wasn't like critically acclaimed and like critics of Survivor were kind of like, eh, like we're kind of, it's like in a rut a little bit. Like, is this the moment? I mean, the reunion had 31 million viewers. So like, it wasn't like people fully turned their backs. Like, their their viewership was down. For sure, but it's like, I think they also were like, you know what? You're right, I maybe shouldn't be watching it, but isn't that why we all love reality TV anyway? (laughs) Especially reality competition TV? Mm -hmm. The whole reason you watch it is because you know it's bad for you. Like you're like, oh, I don't, I shouldn't, but like I am, I'm so bad, oh my God.
2: And I think that is a good place for us to end, sit on that shit. (laughs) go off where where are we going
1: next reality next week in where
0: anna where will survivor take us next i don't remember (laughs) thanks everybody for listening if you liked this episode be sure to give us a rating give us leave us a review tell us what you thought what you liked what you didn't like engage with us positive negative we don't care we love the engagement but please make it positive um that will make us feel better about ourselves and we need that right now be sure to subscribe so that you're always getting notified when we drop a new episode and you can follow our social media for even more escaping reality content we are at escaping reality pod on instagram and at esc reality pod on twitter come talk to us say hey we always want to chat more if you yourself have been a contestant on survivor and you want to tell us what we got totally wrong Come set the record straight, slide into our DMs. If you want to be on the show, we would love to talk to you about your season and Survivor. Until next time, thanks for escaping reality with us.